So hey, everybody. Hey. How you doing today? Great. Do you ever have one of those days where everything seems to go wrong? Anybody ever have a day like that? Yeah. Come on, I, I, I should see more hands than that out there. Well, that's, today is one of those days. And we could say, oh, man, the enemy's really pushing back. Oh, man, what's the use? But we're not going to say that. Jesus overcame. When things get tough like that, when you have a day like that, God is about to work. He's about to work mightily. So you want to learn something today? You guys want to learn something today? Something the enemy doesn't want you to know? Okay, then. You're ready. So by introduction and review, last week was Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Actually, we spent two weeks in that passage. We covered some basic teaching, fundamental truths of the gospel. It was a bad news, good news scenario for mankind. What's the bad news? Mankind has a sin issue. What's the good news? The sin issue is resolved in Jesus. The bad news, sin wrecked us. The good news, God restored us in Christ. Anybody out there? What's the bad news? We were once dead in sin, walking dead, spiritual zombies. What's the good news? We're now alive in Christ and fully alive. Not just surviving, we're thriving. Even in those days when everything seems like it's not going right. Bad news, Satan owned us because of our sin. Good news, Jesus overcame Satan. Well, that was the last two weeks. This week, moving on to the next passage, stand with me. Clayton, if you'll come to the mic. Clayton's going to read the Word of God, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Formerly, you were Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcised by those who call themselves circumcision. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once, once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who, was, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in him one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put death their hostility he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him we both have access to the father by this by one spirit consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a cor chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together 
and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thank you, Clayton. You may be seated. We're going to roll our sleeves up. We're going to dig in because God has something to say to us today. The title is One in Christ, God's Multicultural Heart. So Paul sort of continues this theme that he, that he had in, in uh, chapter 1, once lost and dead in sin, but. Now instead of all mankind, he begins to get specific and he draws attention to the facts that the Ephesians are Gentiles. And by the way, Gentile refers to any race, ethnicity, culture, culture, nationality, which is not Jewish. Simply put, you're either Jewish or you're Gentile. He wants to remind them that they are Gentiles. And he brings up some historical information related to that fact. This is going to be another teaching sermon. And the intention is that when we're, when we're through today, we will be better equipped to serve him in our generation. Does that interest you? A couple of you at least. That's good. Where two or three are gathered, that's all we really need, I guess. Today we're going to look at a historical perspective, but we'll have a present day application. As was said, there's something Paul wants the Ephesian believers to remember, and it's this. Don't forget, you Gentiles used to be outsiders. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Don't forget something Paul does not want them to forget, the Ephesians. Many versions give the other side of this, but the more positive side, always remember. Don't forget, always remember what? You Gentiles used to be outsiders, meaning you were living apart from Christ, without hope and without God in the world. Okay. Earlier in the chapter, Paul had already told them that apart from Christ, they were walking dead, spiritual zombies, no life of God because of their sin. They already know this. So what's he referring to now? He's adding a new dimension to it. He brings out a historical perspective. He wants to explain something to them. In those days... He says, in those days you were living as outsiders. In those days refers to all of history before Jesus died. Before he died, he resurrected and he ascended to be in heaven. In those days, Gentiles, you lived as outsiders, apart from Christ, without God, without hope. This passage is actually relating to all Gentiles, not just the Ephesians, In those days, they were outside, outsiders, they were apart from Christ, they were without hope and without God and change in the world, and however, that changed in a moment in history at the cross. That changed at the cross. In Matthew 28, immediately after the ascension, Jesus said, now all authority has been given unto me. Make disciples of all nations. That's the Gentiles. Gentiles included, and that's good news for us. We were once outsiders. We were apart from Christ. We were living without hope 
and without God in the world. Our ancestors, who were not Jewish, that relates to them. That was passed on down through us. We're Gentiles, unless you're in here and you're Jewish by ancestry. So continuing the historical perspective, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. I'm like, wow, I wonder how they received that. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You didn't know, Gentiles, the covenant promises God had made to them. Paul's not being critical or vindictive, just factual. Lost Gentile nations, they already hated Israel. They did not want to like Israel. They were excluded from He's simply laying out and he's establishing a historical truth because he wants to get their attention because he wants to teach them an important, timeless, spiritual principle. Next slide. The principle has to do with the multicultural heart of God. This is an eternal truth of who God is, and I'm going to really try to Labor hard to get these points across today. I don't know if you can tell I'm kind of struggling with this or not, but I'm going to labor hard to get these points across. They're very important. And Satan does not want us knowing this. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. Citizenship among the people of Israel's Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. What does this even mean? Excluded. It's not as malicious as it sounds. It can be translated alienated or disconnected or even as simple as you just didn't have a part in this. What we're about to talk about, the Gentiles didn't have a part in. It was just fact. It's historical truth. The Gentile nations were alienated and disconnected from this particular work God was doing in the world. This is going to be another one of those deep dives in this biblical truth. You got your spiritual thinking caps on. After sin entered the human race in Genesis, one person, thank you, Stacy. After sin entered the human race in Genesis, the nations of the earth, now think, you got to really think about this, okay? The nations of the earth, the people groups, that's what a nation is. It's a people group. The nations of the earth followed Satan rather than God. We talked about that last week. Each nation, people group, chose for themselves other gods. This is after Genesis 3. As the earth began to become populated, the human race began to expand on the earth. They had turned away from God. So the nations are following now other gods whom they would worship, which are simply demonic personalities, principalities, Baal and Ashtoreth, Ra, Moloch, the Greek mythology gods, Poseidon, Allah, on and on. The nations came up with their own gods to follow, being led by Satan and these demonic principalities. So all the nations, the gen, all the nations, all the nations are following these demonic principalities. And they led the nations into all kinds of sin and horrific practices. You've seen it in Scripture. Horrible practices. 
like sacrificing their own sons and daughters, burning them to death, starving them to death, to appease these demonic principalities, burning them alive on altars to these other gods. This is where it's really important to understand this included the entire human race. Very important to know, there was no nation Israel at that time. It was just all of humanity broken down into nations. We had sinned in Genesis 3. We turned away from God. We populated the earth. We broke up into nations. And we followed demonic principalities. The entire earth did. It got so bad at one point, God had to destroy it. That's the story of Noah. And then he repopulated again. But we went back to the same thing. During this time, there was no nation Israel. That's going to help us understand what Paul's saying in Ephesians. It was just the entire human race. But we know God had a plan to save the world. We saw that in Genesis 3. He needed someone. He needed someone in these nations who would be willing to worship and follow him so he could bring about his plan of salvation. But there was a problem. There was a dilemma. All have sinned. All have turned away. All have gone their own way. All are doing their own thing. And because of sin, no one could be good enough. No one could work their way into heaven. No one could earn salvation by good works. What is God to do? The entire human race has turned away from him. But he has a plan for salvation, to bring salvation to mankind. How's he going to accomplish that? Okay, since no man could be good enough, God would have to find another way to save mankind. And he did. And it's the way of faith. Faith would be the way man could be saved. Mankind could be now saved through faith. That's the plan. Well, now there's another problem. God needs someone. The entire human race is turned away. None are good. None seek after God. None are righteous. God needed someone who, even though they would not be good enough, someone who would be willing to trust him enough to worship and follow him. Are you with me? All this is leading to a practical conclusion, I promise. Hang with me. Genesis 12, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. There was no nation Israel at this time. I will make you into a great nation. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. His faith, his trust in God, led him to obedience, and good thing it did. Enter Abraham, Abram first, then Abraham, God changed his name. Enter Abraham into the biblical record. Abraham's family, Abraham's ethnic group, Abraham's nation at that time, they were as heathen as the rest of the human race. Nothing special about Abram. Abram came from a non-Christian family, so to speak. 
You can find Abraham's story in Genesis 12, and it's a great read. I would encourage you to, to check it out. But God called to Abraham to simply trust him enough to begin to worship and follow him instead of these other demonic principalities. Abraham agreed. And Scripture says Abraham believed God. In other words, he trusted him, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Mankind would now be saved by faith, belief, trusting. Abraham's faith and trust allowed God to begin the fulfillment of his plan to save mankind. Quick side note. Are you still listening? What is God calling you to, to trust him and to follow him for today? What has he been instructing you, calling you to do or to be or whatever it is? And you need to trust him to do that? You need to step out and trust him to do that? Abraham had no clue where he was going. He didn't even know this God. His family worshipped demonic principalities. One of the greatest men in the Bible, I think I, I looked it up, and he, he's mentioned about 171 times, Old and New Testament. One of the greatest men, not, not the greatest man. So fast forward. That's just the beginning. There's so much in between. But we want to fast forward. God then formed a nation out of Abraham's descendants. And that nation became known as Israel. Isaac. Jacob, 12 sons, so on, so on. Then to the place where his descendants were as numerous as the stars and the sands on the beach. God had said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, and God never lies. If you're willing to trust me and then obey me, trust has to come first. Trust me and then obey me, I will do great and mighty things. I will make you a great nation that blesses all the families of the earth. All the other nations will be blessed through your nation, Abraham, if you trust me. And you follow me. Through Abraham's faith, simply his willingness to trust, he had nothing in him that would make him good enough. God now had his nation. He had his nation in place in the world, and he had his nation in the midst of all the other Gentile nations. Are you following this? How this is developing? How God's bringing about his plan for salvation. He had to find a man who was willing. Now out of that man, he's going to make a nation. He's going to place his nation in the midst of all the other nations that are still following the demonic principalities. Is that making sense? This plan of salvation is developing over time, meticulously, as God works it out. Another side note. The land that God took Abraham to, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. The land God took Abraham to was the same land over which Israel and Hamas are currently fighting. That's the land that was given to Israel. Promised to Abraham and his descendants forever. Side note. Now, through the nation Israel, God has his nation placed on the earth right where he wants them in the midst of all the heathen nations. Through the nation Israel, Abraham's descendants, God would bring, now this is very important, God would bring to the world his word. Scripture was written primarily, if not exclusively, by Hebrew and Jewish authors. 
He would bring to the world through this nation Israel his covenants and his promises, which would come through his word, the patriarchs, and the prophets. God would bring to this world, through the nation Israel, his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you know it or not, Jesus Christ was Jewish by ancestry. And through this nation Israel, God would bring about his church. The majority of, if not all, the original apostles, the early converts at Pentecost, they were Jewish. God had his nation. He began to unfold the plan. Now he was able to reach deep into mankind, and he would bring about his word through, the, through Israel. He would bring about his covenants and promises. He would introduce them to, to mankind. Um, his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come through Israel, and so would his church. How does this fit with our text in Ephesians? This is a sermon on Ephesians 2, you know, in case you lost that somewhere. Paul is simply pointing out to the Ephesians, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. In our verses on the screen, Paul is telling the Ephesians, representative of all Gentiles, they were excluded, better translated alienated, disconnected from, not a part of all that. See, as God was doing this with the nation Israel, developing the nation Israel, um, he laid government out for them, he laid social structure out for them, he was putting his nation in place. As he was doing that, the Gentile nations were willfully and stubbornly worshiping and continuing to follow their demonic gods. Wanting nothing to do with the true and living God. Think of the pagan nations that surrounded Israel in the promised land that Joshua had to uproot. Paul felt he needed to remind the Gentiles that you were not a part of this developing plan. Though they would definitely be the beneficiaries of it. Because through you all the nations will be blessed. And not only were they not a part of it but they willfully were at odds and at war with Israel as God was working this out. The Gentile nations were standing against God and against Israel. Of course they were. They may not have known it, but Satan knew God was up to something. Satan knew God was developing this plan, and he was using these nations that followed demonic principalities, his henchmen, to try and stop it from happening. But just know this. Satan can never stop God from doing anything God determines to do. Nothing. That's in your life, not just in nations. That's in your life. The problem is we just don't know that and we allow him to. So Ephesians 2, 11 and 12 is simply the historical truth. It's not critical. It's not vindictive. You were not a part of that. If you really want to get down to it, Ephesians, your ancestors were battling what God was trying to do. You were not a part of it. Why is Paul mentioning this? He makes this point because he wants to get to another very important point, which is going to lead to our application. Continuing on, Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. But now, that was then, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, 
but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Pay attention. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the walls of hostility that separated us. So much in there. Paul's word to the Ephesians, you were not a part of this then, but now. Suffice it to say, since Christ and in Christ, there's a new reality in the world. No longer Jew and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles have been united in Christ, have become one in Christ. In Christ, God has formed a new person, a new creation, the Christian. The Christian is neither Jew nor Gentile. We're Christians. We're a third type of creation. Now there's a new reality in the world. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God has created a new man, woman, person in Jesus Christ. You're no longer what you were by ancestry. You're a Christian. Brought together. That was always his plan, which we'll show from Scripture as we close. That was always his plan. He never intentionally excluded the Gentiles. They chose to exclude themselves and he worked the plan around them. But in his mercy, he turned around and brought them into the plan. Thank goodness he did, right? Because unless you're Jewish, where would you be right now? The historical wall of hostility has been broken down in Jesus. And we want to take this even a little further. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Took the Gentiles, took the Jews, made Christians. <laughs> this is probably getting ahead of myself, but it's a shame that we don't realize and love what he did. Instead, we battle each other. Instead of appreciating what he did, we stand in judgment of each other. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our, our, our hostility towards each other was put to death. Excuse me for one minute. here. I'm getting so excited about this, I'm getting dehydrated up here. Remember, if you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. So that covers the entire human race. Every race, every, ethnic, every ethnicity, every culture, every class, every nationality, the walls of hostility and hatred have been broken down in the human family. Although salvation came to the world through the Jews cannot be denied. Salvation is not exclusively for the Jews. The heart of God is multicultural. 
God is not willing that any should perish. God wants all people to come to a knowledge of truth and be saved. That has always been God's heart. Satan has so, so misconstrued that to the human race. That has always been God's heart. Even from the beginning, from all people, from Genesis 3 on, for all people, salvation for all of mankind. We'll see that again. I, I said this, but we'll see it from Scripture in the conclusion. The title today was One in Christ. In Christ, God eliminated all racial, ethnic, and nationalistic tension. I want you to think about that. In Christ, God eliminated all racial, all ethnic, all nationalistic tension, and you could throw in there cultural tension, class distinction. He eliminated that at the cross. He made us one in Christ. And I want you to think hard about that in case any of us are thinking differently about that. God's love for all mankind, every race, every ethnicity, every culture, every class, every nation was expressed in Christ. And actually, it takes every racial, every race, every ethnic group, every class, every culture, every nation to fully express who God is. God cannot express himself through one race or one ethnic group or one nation. It takes all of us together for God to be able to express who he is. The whole heart of God is multicultural. Just il illustration. Some of you in here, if you've been around long enough, you know I'm not a real big fan of district conference. <coughs> Excuse me. But one thing I greatly appreciate about our district conferences, we have in the district Cambodian churches, Vietnamese churches, Ethiopian churches, black churches, Hispanic churches, white churches, and there's a mix in all of them, but predominantly that. Just about, I'm sure I'm missing some. And when I go to conference and we all worship together, it's like a piece of heaven. Seeing all these multicultural races and ethnic groups coming together, worshiping God, one in Christ. This year, I noticed at lunch there was the Chinese, they passed through our Chinese Alliance Church in State College and they were sitting alone. And I thought, I'm going to go over there and join myself to them if they'll have me. And what a great lunch, getting to know them, getting to know their story as Chinese Christians. They came to the United States as Taiwan, from Taiwan, and they know something about persecution. One in Christ. So I have a quick question for you, just because it might be in your mind. If this is true, why is there still so much hatred, division, strife, war between races, ethnic groups, cultures, classes, and nations in the world? It's a valid question. Think carefully. The answer is in the question. 
Let me ask it again. If this is all true, Jesus broke down the walls of hostility that separate us, and he made us one in Christ. If that's true, why is there still so much hatred, division, strife, war between races, ethnic groups, cultures, classes, and nations in the world? The answer is in the question. Right, because we're in the world. Because oneness, unity, peace, and harmony are found only in Christ. I'd like to say the world didn't get that memo yet. Unfortunately, the world got the memo and they ignore it. What we're seeing today is mankind still living in the world under the old historical reality, which is apart from Christ, outsiders separated from God without hope, without Christ in the world. They're not living out of the new reality, which is in Christ, one new person brought together. There doesn't need to be any of that stuff we mentioned. None of these issues in the world will be fully resolved until people are willing to turn to Jesus. Governments can offer every solution they want. Organizations can come in and do their thing, and a lot of it is good. But none of these issues we'll see in the world will be fully resolved until people are willing to turn to Jesus. The world is still operating out of a sin-in-the-garden mindset, not out of a cross-of-Christ mindset. And by the way, again, third time I've said it, it's that important. Just so you know, God's plan was always to include the Gentiles in salvation. The ideal back then, as he was forming his plan, his nation is bringing forth his plan, the ideal was that as God worked all this throughout in Israel, the Gentile nations would see the glory of Israel's God. God, Israel would reflect his glory. The Gentile nations would say it and say, I want some of that and be attracted to Israel's God. But both Israel and the Gentile nations blew it. They would not have it. They failed miserably. They went their own way. God had to send his son, Jesus Christ, to take care of the problem. God's heart and intention all along was to reach the Gentiles through the nation Israel, not to exclude them. God's heart has always been for all people groups, multicultural. I'd like to close with some verses, as we usually do, that support what we're saying. Matthew 8, 11. I tell you this. Many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus spoke it. Jesus revealed it. Jesus predicted it. The Gentiles were going to come en masse. And just my personal belief, there is yet a, a uh, massive harvest of Gentile lost souls to come into the church in these days ahead, of which we'll be a part. Scripture says nothing's going to happen in eschatology, end times, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And that's what we're looking for. This conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written, I will return and I will restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins to re and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles, 
All those I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken. The Old Testament prophets spoke it. They revealed it. They predicted it. This particular prophecy quoted in Acts comes from Amos 9. Romans 3, 29, 30. After all, is, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes, all, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they're Jews or Gentiles. Paul spoke it. Paul reveals it. Paul predicted it. Romans 16, 25 and 26. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles. A plan that was kept secret from the beginning of time, but now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is to be made known to all Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. God has a multicultural heart. He's not willing that any should perish. If nothing else from today, and I am going to make a conclusion, a, a practical conclusion, if nothing else from today, I, I hope you're seeing who God is. I hope you're seeing God's heart for people. You know, he could have just wiped this out way back at the beginning. But he went to all this pain, and he, he has to experience all this heartache because people keep rejecting his plan. It didn't have to be this way. There didn't have to be this much suffering and trial and tribulation and the war and the strife. It didn't have to be that way. That's only because we keep rejecting God and we keep turning away from him. But instead of turning away from us, he keeps running after us and pleading with us to see his plan and turn to him. I hope you're getting a glimpse and a feel for the heart of God, for who he is. He had every right to just dismiss the human race. He still does. He has every right. He never will. But he has every right. See his heart coming through this. Lost people matter to God of every race, ethnicity, culture, class, nation. Galatians 3.8, what's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight. The scriptures weren't intentionally excluding Gentiles from what God was doing. It had to be done that way because of who we were, who we are, who the nations were. But his intention was always to get this done and include the Gentiles. Are you following this? What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Here's my main point today. No, it's not. My main point's the next slide. Ephesians 2, 17 and 19. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near him. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles 
us guys, we're no longer strangers and foreigners. We are now citizens, along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. No longer Jew, no longer Gentile. Christian. What are we going to do with what we learned today? How are we going to apply it? I think the next slide is my main point. We'll see when it comes up. Here's a very practical way we're going to apply this message. Hold your breath. That's it. This is the application. And I want to say this very firmly. There's no room in the church. There is no room in the church for any racial, ethnic, cultural, class, or nationality detention or discrimination. This is a place where everyone should feel welcome. Oh, my goodness, pastors now compromising, condoning sin. That's a whole nother issue. This is a place where we receive everyone regardless of their race, ethnicity, culture, class, or nationality. We receive them. Lost souls, all races, ethnic groups, cultures, classes, and nations matter greatly to God. Lost souls, all that I just said, they must matter to us. I personally don't want to build a homogeneous church. I want to build a multicultural church. I've had the privilege of worshiping in multicultural environments. There's nothing like it. People from every race, ethnicity, culture, class, nation, worshiping God together. I want that to be our experience in here. Jamie, <laughs> come and pray. Bail me out of here, will you? I'm going all day. We'll stand and the band will come forward. I have no clue what Sonny's actually going to do with this. Wait till everybody settled down and then lead us in prayer. son Jesus who made all this possible that we heard about today if it wasn't for Jesus and the cross and his death we wouldn't be able to love one another no matter how hard we tried thank you. so I thank you father for uh, just for pulling us out of the darkness of the world and bringing us into your light Yes, Lord. you've chosen each one of us for such a time as this and father we we want to be a people who are obedient mm -hmm. to your word and obedient to your commands and your call upon our lives. And Father, we know that it goes way beyond just having eternal life, but we are here on this earth to serve you so that others can come to know you. Thank you Lord. So 
Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to indwell us, to give us courage and boldness to do this task, that we'd be able to put aside our, our lives the best that we possibly can and have you first and have this mission first. Father, I pray that we will be people who can overlook any offense and look beyond all these lines that the world has set before us. We wouldn't know we're different if it wasn't really from the world and if it wasn't for sin. We would, we would have no clue that we are different. Father, we want to be as one as we've heard today, and we know that we can be that in you. So we put aside all these things, Father, and just ask you to do that work in us where it needs to be done. But I do thank you for a church here that, uh, that loves you and loves one another, Father. Yes. Thank you. And as your word says, they know we are Christians by our love for one another. Mm -hmm. And Father, that is displayed here Sunday after Sunday. Amen. Father, protect us from any division whatsoever. Yes. Yes, Lord. Lord, would you just clear our minds of that? Yes not allow the enemy to come in and, and try to divide us in any way. Father, would you build strong relationships here? And would you build an army who is bold for you, who wants to be out in the world uh, leading others to Jesus Christ? And Father, I would ask that you would do this in us. And I ask that you will fill this church, that you will overflow this church because of the work of your people that you have called to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.